0: So my current position when I am recruiting for people usually I interview only about two people for a job Mm -hmm. and I would presume that before HR and the entire world has seen through it and brought it up to me. um, I look for three qualities in the person. I'm looking to see if the person is uh, clear in communications Mm -hmm. Um, and if the person is able to get to the point quickly and definitely the. Last but not the least is consistency um, in the story. Mm -hmm. So anyone who can say a story consistently, very clearly and has the ability to communicate and that's a key word here, communicate, because people don't understand when somebody asks a question, it is not what the question is, but it's what is the intent behind the question
1: Mm -hmm. to ask
0: the question. And if you can think about it and come to an answer that meets that intent, then that person can connect easily with me into the future. You are listening to the Payal Nanjiani Leadership Podcast, the number one podcast in the world for leaders who want to be the best. Each episode is designed to help you recognize and overcome your leadership challenges and achieve great success at your work. This episode is brought to you by your host, Payal Nanjiani, a world-renowned leadership expert, executive coach, and author known for her leadership talks, corporate training, and executive coaching. To know more about Payal, visit her website, www.payalnanjiani.com. Welcome to yet another episode of the Payal
1: Nanjiani Leadership Podcast. The performance of any organization and country to a large extent depends on leadership. And at the heart of leadership is the drive to change for the better. But today's complex and highly uncertain business environment makes it harder for leaders to vision the future. Yet, it's a critical leadership element. And so today we have with us on the Payam Nanjani Leadership Podcast a very special and honorable guest who joins us to talk about leadership for a sustainable future. And he is none other than Kishore Jayaraman, the president of Rolls Royce India and South Asia. Since taking over the role eight years ago, Kishore has been instrumental in driving the strategic focus and significant expansion across Rolls Royce defense, civil aerospace and power systems businesses. Kishore has also held diverse leadership roles across markets at GE for 23 years, and his last assignment was as President and CEO of GE Energy South Asia. It is such a privilege and honor to have you here, Kishore. Welcome to the Payal Nanjiani Leadership Podcast.
0: Thank you very much for having me here, Payal. Good to be here.
1: Thank you. And, uh, you know, I've been reading so much about you, about your work, that what I have introduced you is just a very small portion of it. So uh, let me begin by asking you, uh, Kishore, how you know how how did you get where you are? If you were to say a little bit about yourself, how did you start your career, and what got you to where you are today? Uh, it's
0: a very good question. It can be, it can be a very long conversation on that one with my uh-huh. thirty-three years of work experience today. Wow! I have been, uh, you know, I've been privileged to serve uh, two great companies. First, it was GE. And now I'm with Rolls-Royce and I joined GE back in 1989 mm-hmm. and um, just after my master's in mechanical engineering and then from then on up until now there's been a lot of uh, um, lot of what should I say changes, a uh, lot of challenges and um, there's been a lot of good um, developments that happened. But mm-hmm. all said and done the one thing that I would say uh, got me from where I was to where I am today um, would be focus, hard work, and um, having a clear purpose of where I wanted to be and what I wanted to do. I think these are the three things that come to my mind um, that probably would summarize how I got from where to here.
1: So, so that's that, That's a nice overview, uh, Kishore. But, and you mentioned these three things out of which I really want to ch- uh, you know, check with you on this. When you said purpose, from the day one, did you always have a purpose or did you always know where you want to reach, what you want to do?
0: More importantly, I think purpose, everybody defines, there's a difference between purpose and North Star. Mm-hmm. Right? And North Star is a goal where we say, this is where we want to be, this is where we want to go. But a purpose more importantly defines why we should do a good job at whatever we do. Mm-hmm. And to me, every job has a very purpose. right? So when I first started off as an engineer, my purpose was to make sure that I was the best engineer and that whatever I did would be done to the perfection of all my stakeholders, including my boss, my company, mm-hmm. my customers. So you say that, since I want to be perfect and I really want to do a good job, you strive towards it that direction and the purpose there for me was doing a good job. <coughs> Excuse me. Sure. So now when, you, when I switched over from technology and I moved into project management, mm-hmm. it was the purpose got redefined to saying that I need to make sure that I am able to serve the customers but without compromising the company. Oh. So Lots of people confuse service to customer as giving the farm away mm-hmm. but at the same time I think it is about making sure that there's a win-win situation that's created and I learned a lot about the win-win situation when I was in project management which basically um, you know, cemented my future into the commercial realm and mm-hmm. so from technology project management was a bridge for me to get into commercial. Then I became commercial director and at that point in time I was purely into managing sales teams and business development and strategies around winning um, orders. So that period of time had a little different purpose because then I started thinking more about growth, I started thinking about uh, making sure market share and our fair share of the market we were able to get. And um, of making sure I'm able to position a value story. So these are all thoughts that didn't exist for me before because I didn't have to. So then I had to repurpose myself into doing what I think, what I thought was the right things to do there. And immediately after that, I started getting into business leadership and I moved to India. And so when I was in India, the whole thing was to be that bridge between the United States and India. Mm. And my purpose was to make sure America or or my company, uh, the employees or the leaders in my company understood the needs of india and make sure that the needs of the company a multinational like ge was understood by the indians okay and you know strangely enough the north star was to grow in my career keep learning and keep growing but you know a lot of things are opportunities that are provided and every single opportunity to me i had to take it you know in the stride create myself a structure around it and then build on it.
1: Okay. So that means your there was always an your purpose was always evolving from what I what I hear. It has it's always grown with you and reached this far with you, that means
0: and I am sure my purpose will again redefine itself if I absolutely if I were to change a role in a different area. And today I look at my contributions towards the university sector, I look at my contributions into the consulting sector. And I look at it and I say, what would be my value story to all these people? And so now I look at my purpose as creating a value story for myself Hmm. that will make whatever I'm doing or saying more relevant
1: Okay, yeah, I think, uh, like what you said, you know, it just keeps evolving, and it will evolve again, depending on what you are doing. Um, Now, I also read about you that you do not rely too much on technology. And I really pulled that out for a reason, because it resonated with my style of work. So uh, if you're not, if if, if you're not relying too much on technology, then uh, how, how do you, you know, what are your productivity uh, hacks? How are you able to stay productive? Because there's just so many apps in the market, Kishore, which you already know of. And everyone tells you, oh, you know what, you use this, your day is going to be productive. You're going to be very organized. So what does it take for you, Kishore, to really stay productive without these um, uh, technology and too much of dependency on it?
0: Well, to be honest, I mean, it was a, and the question was asked to me, saying, uh, "You know, talk to me more about technology, and uh, and talk to me about how you use technology Did I find myself when I try to look at it and say, "Look, I mean, do I have own an eye watch? Yes, I do. But I ask myself the question: What do I need a watch for? Do I need it to tell me my heartbeats and my uh-huh. and my number of steps and uh, my ECG these days, or do I need a watch to tell me time?" Uh-huh. And so. Simply my technology is my watch just tells me time. So that <laughs> I is so
1: why. resonate with that.
0: <laughs> yeah, so I don't read any of those gizmos. Yes, okay, uh-huh. I can go and buy it and I can use it but it doesn't really appeal to me. Uh-huh. Now, having said that, now do I use a calculator to do all the math? No, yes, uh-huh. I'm not a I'm not a you know mental true. computer or something. True, true. But I, I basically feel that if somebody tells me something like 100 plus 400, I don't need a calculator for
1: that. Correct, yeah. And so
0: every time I ask the question, do I need a calculator for this before I reach for the calculator? Similarly on my calendar, right? I mean, I don't need a Outlook or a Google Calendar to tell me what my appointments are. I make sure that mm-hmm. I know what my appointments are. And yeah. uh, yes, there are too many appointments for me to keep up with it. So every day in the morning, I take a look at it. Make mm-hmm. sure I know exactly what's there for the day or make sure I know exactly for the week as well. So that I'm able to do all these things in my head and I mm-hmm. think to a large degree, I think it also helps me in not being you know, completely dependent on devices um, which might not be with me all the time or else I have to figure out a way to carry them with me all the time. Mm, true. And depend more on myself, right? I mean, more on my own um, capabilities
1: oh yeah, absolutely kishore i am old school uh when it comes to technology i still prefer to write down my appointments in, you know in my diary rather than putting it on my on my cell phone or on on the google sheet so i can so resonate yeah. with, uh, with you and, and you know me and my husband have this healthy debate at all times when you spoke about the uh the watch you know does it what is the need for and I keep telling my husband the same thing you know I, I need a watch just to tell me the time so that during my sessions I know what the time is I really don't need for anything more so I, I, <laughs> I pulled this up because everyone talks so much about technology and and how you know it helps in productivity uh coming back to the topic uh Kishore when we're speaking about leadership and and looking at leadership for the future uh if I was to ask a visionary like you to just look into the future uh, you know, and with your 33 years of experience that you've had, what leadership qualities do you think would be of maximum importance going forward?
0: Well, as the three A's on the
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, the first one will be um, adaptability. The second one would be agility, and the third one would be authenticity. I believe the future leader will have to combine these three in some form or the other because to me, adaptability is about change and the ability to manage change. Agility is the pace at which we can do the change. Authenticity is about self-realization and understanding who we are so that we can appropriately tune ourselves to the people or the stakeholders that we work with so to me these will be the these will be the three qualities of the future leader
1: wow so adaptability agility and authenticity and what would it take for the leaders now to develop these qualities because uh, the ones that you mentioned i think the pandemic also has been you know very instrumental now in telling us at least in, sh- in showing us Are we really adaptable and uh, and, and how we are moving ahead. So according to you what would it take for leaders to develop these qualities now? Well
0: I I think for people who did not have these qualities, the pandemic kind of brought these qualities out in everybody Mm -hmm. and at the end of the day people work for a reason, either it be for monetary reasons or for personal satisfaction reasons Regardless of it, there's always a reason why people work and why people relate to each other in the world we live in and when the world we live in changes, then they have to adapt and so if a person understands that there's going to be a constant need to adapt, it makes the individual that much you know, sort of stealthier Mm. and more prepared in order to handle the change. Change is going to be around us all through our lives so,
1: so far said, we have taken things no, no i'm i'm just I'm, okay. I'm just interrupting here kishore because i found something very interesting when you said about adaptability you know uh, is adaptability easy to do because this during this pandemic we had so many executives and leaders who found it very difficult to adapt to these changing markets you know and then on one side there was wall street that was putting the pressures to get the results and here were the leaders who had to adapt to this way of uh, of uncertainty Total uncertainty where you have no idea of what the next market going to look at. So uh, how how easy or difficult is it for leaders to really adapt?
0: Oh, it's very easy.
1: Uh It's
0: very easy because if an individual, a leader, is looking at actions, then they will struggle with change. Mm -hmm. If a leader is looking at outcomes, then change is nothing.
1: Hmm, okay. That makes really good deep sense. So it's outcome versus your actions. Yes. Mm, Okay.
0: Okay. Okay. Absolutely.
1: Yeah, that makes deep sense. So you were you were continuing on something else when I interrupted you.
0: Because I really wanted to catch up that. I lost my train of thought a little bit on that. Okay. But I I really wanted to catch up that thought. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. No, 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 absolutely no problem. And I think I think so for a person. To who does not see you know, change as a necessary, necessary you know, factor mm-hmm. in everything we do today. It'll be very hard for them to adapt, leave alone be agile and they definitely will have a hard time as the future evolves. Mm. But to me, I believe that if a person realizes deep inside what they want to do, why they want to do it, and they're passionate about what they want to do, they will change in order to achieve that passion mm. or satisfy that passion and when they agree to change then it's just a question of increasing the pace. So I believe as human beings we all will will have to change, will be forced to change when there is a forcing factor it's faster, mm. if there's no forcing factor it is slower sure. but you know, I have talked about change management. I learned about change management long back uh, during one of the training sessions that I had in the early parts of my career. And there, what really happened was, I said, "Change? Why would I even worry about change? Change, you know, when it happens, we we'll all change." Mm-hmm. But I, little did I realize, and this was about 25 years back, little did I realize that unless I force myself into thinking of change and changes to come constantly, I can never be. I can never be ahead of the curve. Mm, Okay.
1: So, did you change more based on you wanted to change versus waiting for the outer force to change you?
0: No. No, I just have to. I just keep thinking about this a lot and saying that what is it that will happen over the next years to come or next year to come? What's it that will happen over the next few months to come? And it all depends on what it is, is it the personal situation, personal life or is it the work life, Mm -hmm. is it work itself, is it so it's in every single space we got to keep thinking what can affect it Mm -hmm. and so people talk about scenarios, people talk about scenario building, all these things come into play because when you talk about scenario building you got to think about it and say if this happens like this what would happen Mm -hmm. and And unless people constantly spend time to think about it, it's easy to miss it. And we all have a chance to miss it because we're already deep into what we have to do on a day-to-day basis. But if you take about 10%, 20% of our time to think about things, I think it'll be a
1: lot easier. I am tempted to ask you this question, Kishore. Uh, Do you consciously take out time to think every single day? Yes, Okay. absolutely. Wow okay.
0: Whether it's my drive from home, I get an hour drive from my house. uh I'm not catching up on my calls, I'm just staring outside my window thinking and actually it's a great space because nobody to bother
1: me. True, true. What a beautiful thought Kishore because uh, every time that I speak speak to uh, leaders like when I am visiting companies for giving leadership sessions, this is one thing that I really advocate for is to take out thinking time and i'm so so happy that you brought this out uh, that you really need to take consciously take time out for thinking so i think that's a wonderful thought that you put especially when you said questions like you know what will happen you know in the next year or or just in in whatever space you are you're questioning yourself and those answers keep unfolding itself and i think that's a wonderful space like you said to be in um, just moving forward, um, you know, you, you've, you've been uh, hearing about this great resignation. We today also, we have a lot of uh, pool of talent that is joining the companies. There's a rush of uh, people who want to join different types of companies. So when you at your role, you're interviewing two equally qualified candidates, what's the one quality that you look for that will help, help you to determine whom you need to hire and who's the best fit for your company? How do you make that distinction? How do you make that one distinction?
0: So in my current position, when I am recruiting for people, usually I interview only about two people for a job. Mm -hmm. And I would presume that before HR and the entire world has seen through it and brought it up to me. um, I look for three qualities in the person. I'm looking to see if the person is uh, clear in communications. Mm -hmm. Um, And if the person is able to get to the point quickly And definitely the last but not the least is consistency um, in the story. Mm -hmm. So anyone who can say a story consistently very clearly and has the ability to communicate and that's a key word here communicate because people don't understand when somebody asks a question, it is not what the question is but it's what is the intent behind the question Mm -hmm. to ask the question. And if you can think about it and come to an answer that meets that intent, then that person can connect easily with me into the future. So these are, the, these are what I'm looking for. And most of the times it's like let them talk and let them see where they want to go. Then ask technical questions or ask them what's your you know, career path. Because if they have already wanted to join and they have interviewing for the company, they have decided what's going to be their career path. And if they join in here and they are not uh, clear about how they want to go, progress, learn, do all these things, they anyway can't achieve what they want to achieve. So what I'm more interested in is can I work with this person? And if I'm going to work with this person, how will this person actually work with me?
1: Okay, so you're seeing both the sides of the of the coin, and I think I really, really need to get you back on another episode also because you have so many insights, especially on this, you know, uh, on how your distinction between the candidates and and really what's qualifying them. So you've learned so much in your career, you've grown, you've seen so many things. I'm sure you've had someone who mentored you, or maybe many people who mentored you. So uh, who would you consider your mentor? And 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 Why would you call this person as someone who has made a difference in your life?
0: Well, look, I think uh, to be very honest, I go back, I I, I can't say I had mentors per se because I really didn't understand that word fully. Mm -hmm. Lots of times mentorship is seen as somebody will come and give you a job or somebody will come and help you with a recommendation that take you to a job. Mm -hmm. Um, To me, those are not pure mentors but people who make a change in your life that mm-hmm. is so profound that a path is completely redefined. Um, they are the people I think as mentors. So in my life there was this gentleman Jim Bendel mm-hmm. in the US back in mm-hmm. 1991. is the first time I met him in Taiwan and uh And you know, we had dinner. I was a field engineer and um, he hosted a dinner for all the field engineers. He was the head of the projects group. And you know, luckily, unluckily, fortunately, unfortunately, I sat next to him. And uh, you know, we, we just talked about a lot of things and here and there, you know, simple talk, nothing fancy. Then after that, I never saw him again. And after about six years in 1996, I decided I wanted to move from technology into commercial world. I didn't know what to do. Mm -hmm. So I went to him and I said, I'm very keen in going into the commercial world. I don't have any idea, any thoughts." And I just used that fact that I sat next to him at the dinner to just meet with him. And so we had a chat and he said, look, I think projects will be a good bridge for you to get into the commercial world. You will understand commercial, you are a technical person these are technical projects with a lot of commercials so and so he created a job for me
1: mm-hmm.
0: and it was not like i asked him for a job i asked him for guidance sure. but he created that job gave me an opportunity to prove myself i proved myself and then i grew in that organization to be the number one project manager in that group handling the most complex project and all through you know if i wanted to go to him and he'd be the sounding board But he was never there. He said, You got to win and get your next job. I am not here to get you your next job. I'm here to guide you to do this job well. I'm here to guide you, to counsel you if I feel there's something you can do better. And he told me that back in Taiwan, when we had that dinner together at that time, I was wondering when you will come to me to ask me this question. And there was nothing we talked about in Taiwan about all that. And so I ended up being one of the project managers. And from then on, I've been a commercial guy most of my life till from 1996 till now I've been a commercial guy for most part and um, with everything with the foundation of technology. So, so I think I consider him a mentor probably mm-hmm. the only mentor I've had in my life. There are many people who have come in and learned a lot from many people but
1: that okay. was a
0: true life-changing experience.
1: Right. And it did change your trajectory from what you're mentioning, you know, the way the path went and and having someone, you know, create that that job and then tell you, okay, from this space, now you decide how you want to move ahead. I think that's wonderful. Yep. That's that's wonderful. so so to take this ahead and to wrap it up. I know I have had you, you know, i I, I can almost say that uh, it, it was it was so difficult to get you on this podcast because of your time and I can almost see why your schedule is so busy and yet you do it without any uh, you know technology support uh, as much as possible. But if I was to wrap this up, uh, Kishore, and I was to ask you that with everything that you've shared with us, what was that one piece of advice that you have received in your career that changed your thinking and changed the way you look at your work life?
0: There is no solution for hard work.
1: Wow. Okay. And have you lived by this all your life?
0: Yes, absolutely.
1: (laughs) That's, that's wonderful, Kishore. Uh, you have really been so generous in sharing so many insights with us, with our audience, and I'm, I'm so grateful to have had you on this podcast.
0: Thank you very much, Payal. It's been a pleasure uh, being here speaking to you, and um, thank you very much for the opportunity.
1: Thank you, and here's to our listeners. Uh, this is Payal Nanjiani and Kishore Jayaraman wishing you loads of success. God bless. You.